listening to Off The Line. Welcome back, everybody, to Off The Line. My name's Jack. Today, I'm joined by Jake and a special guest in Gini, who will get on to Zach to review another week of Premier League action. There's actually a lot of stuff going on, so we'll all touch on the uh, Champions League group stages that have been drawn out, and then some transfer news as well. A lot of stuff going on this week, and it seems like just an absolutely crazy transfer window, but by discussing the the latest games from the Premier League. Jake, how are you? Hey, Jack, I'm doing good. Um, you know, not up to much. Just watch the Champions League draw this afternoon. Um, I know we'll touch on it later, but I can't really say I'm disappointed with the group. I think it's it's much better than last year where United drew PSG and, and Leipzig. So, yeah, just overall pretty happy with that. And not much is new. Just watched all the games this weekend, the same as usual. And that's about it. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. Just like you said, there's not a lot of stuff going on. It's still, still with COVID here. It's unbelievable. Still can't really do much. So just watching a lot of the games, but still enjoyable. Uh, and yeah, excited to have the Premier League back still. It hasn't really settled in yet that the fans are back and that the new stadiums or stadium, the new uh, season's already here. So yeah, just excited and, and looking forward to all the games that we get to watch. But like I said, we also have a very special guest, a friend of ours, Ganit joins us. He's an Arsenal fan, a huge Arsenal fan, a very sad Arsenal fan at this this current point. But we'll we'll get on to discussing Arsenal in a little bit. But Ganit, how are you, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing good, man. I don't know what you're talking about being sad. We just battered uh, the team yesterday 6-0. So I don't know what you're talking about. But I hope Man City is prepared because they're going to lose again. But... I'm prepared and excited for next uh, this Saturday, I guess, for Manchester City because I don't see. So let's see what happens. We'll get on to to talking about your your expectations for that game and the expectations for Arsenal. But uh, yeah, I guess it is good being West Brom six 0 It was they're like sixteen year olds that we've never heard of, but then again, still still good win, still good Aubameyang hat trick. So. We'll get on to talking about Arsenal a little bit. We'll start off by, uh, we'll quickly run through the Premier League games. Not all of them. Some of them are pretty boring. Jake, I'm going to I'm gonna come to you for your quick thoughts on each of these. And then we'll come to you, Gani, for the Arsenal-Chelsea game. Uh, Jake, Liverpool taking on Burnley, winning 2-0 at Anfield. Uh, I was very impressed with Liverpool in this one. Burnley's obviously a tough team to play against. But uh, just quick thoughts on, on this one. Yeah, honestly, it wasn't a surprise. Like you mentioned, the Burnley are a good team when it comes to like defending, sitting deep, and, and all that. We know they won at Anfield uh, last year as well, but this game was really, really one-sided. I think Liverpool had almost 30 shots. I think Burnley were held to like three shots on target, so obviously there's a big difference there. Um, we know Burnley didn't didn't really have like much of the possession either and just a lot of, of um, hopeful long passes, and yeah, there, there wasn't really much going on here as soon as uh, Jota scored the first for Liverpool. It was really only going one way. Um, but the goals were, were nice individually. I think I think Jota's goal was from a, a Simicus cross. So that was, it was like really reminiscent of like a, a Robertson cross who uh, he's out injured. I think he's back for this week. But yeah, that was good. And, and Sadio Mane's goal as well. I think it was a nice team play. And then Trent just like clipped in the little pass into, into the penalty area and, and Sadio Mane put it away. 
um, low and hard, like past Nick Pope, and he didn't really have a chance. And really, like there wasn't any any chance that Burnley were were gonna take any points from this one. Um, and yeah, Liverpool were were just much better, and they they showed it throughout the game. So yeah, that's about it uh, for for this game. I don't have anything else to to add about it. Yeah, there's not much to say. I think you'd expect them to win, but Liverpool looking really, really good so far for the start of this season. Next game that we have, uh, Aston Villa taking on Newcastle, winning 2-0, including a really nice Danny Ings goal, which some people were saying goal of the season. I would not go that far, but it was still a really, really nice finish. But just quick thoughts on this one. Again, it's not really that surprising of a result. Yeah, exactly. But like you mentioned, the Danny Ings goal was like the standout moment um, right before halftime as well. So I'm sure that that probably helped Villa going into the halftime break and maybe just calm down the nerves because with the money they spent and just with the team that they have, they should be beating Newcastle like based on, I don't want to say merit, but like based on on paper anyway, they're stronger than Newcastle is what I'm trying to say. Um, It's a worrying start to the season for Newcastle as well. Uh, you know, two losses from their from their first two games in the league, and then they lost last night in the Carabao Cup on penalties to Burnley, who we just talked about. So, um, yeah, they, they Newcastle have to get going. I think they're they're already in a in a dangerous position. They usually seem to pull it out of the bag somehow near the end of the season, but who knows? You can't keep dropping points against against these teams. Um, I know I I mentioned that Villa is better than Newcastle, but you got to pick up some points from somewhere. You you only play like. Norwich and Watford two times a season so you can't get like 35 points just from those games so Newcastle really have to step it up but but Aston Villa are looking good um and much better than than against their loss to Watford last last weekend uh, who knows They're, that could have just been an isolated game and um yeah Villa just looked good they look like the Villa of last season to be honest and a, a clean sheet which I think uh Emiliano Martinez had the most clean sheets in the league last season um so they're just showing that he, they're just going back to form is what I'm trying to say. And, and yeah, the, the two goals from Danny Ings and, and an El Ghazi penalty after that, the result was pretty safe and just impressed with Villa. You know, I think we all had them pretty high in our tables and yeah, so far, uh, obviously more in this game than the Wofford game, but they're really delivering the goods so far this season. Uh, next game, I have literally nothing to say on this Crystal Palace Brentford nil nil. I've not even come to you for that one. I guess good good point for Brentford four points from uh, possible six to start the season is pretty good. Um, but yeah, Palace not the best start for them. Then Leeds taking on Everton. I want to talk about this for a sec. Uh, Leeds first game in the Premier League in front of their own fans, in front of a full house, I should say at Ellen Road taking on Everton. I said last week that I did not see Everton getting anything out of this game, and I wouldn't even be very disappointed if they lost this because I was expecting a loss just based off of the the crowd and the whole context around what the game represented. Um, but overall, finished 2-2. I was very, very impressed with, uh, with Everton. They actually created probably the better of the chances, although they only had like, like 25% like 30 percent possession in the game but we know Leeds like to dominate but other than that they still created a lot of good chances they did score a penalty and it was probably the most blatant penalty um that you could see especially when when VAR brought it up just Calvert-Lewin getting getting pulled back so it's obviously a penalty and then Damari Gray scoring and for for one and a half million to come in he's made a huge impact in even in the preseason games, he's looked like one of the best players in the team. I can't tell if it's because his quality is so high or it's just the fact that I haven't seen any players who have any sort of pace about them play for Everton in years. 
So it could be that, but either way, a good start from him um, and a really, really good result for Everton. I thought that a lot of people felt that it was points dropped, which I can understand, but given the context around the game, I'm, I'm not too concerned. It's only the second game of the season and we still got a point on the road. As long as we beat Leeds at Goodison Park, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Probably the only thing I'm disappointed with is the fact that Michael Keen again, just, just so, so, so poor, just so unagile for that first goal. And even the second goal that Rafinha scored. Rafinha is amazing. What a player. Uh, but even then the, the cross that came in, Michael, Michael Keane should be the one just clearing everybody out to head the ball out of, out of a dangerous area and Everton let the ball fall and Rafinha scores an absolute screamer. But overall, uh, you could say points dropped. I would say it's, it's probably a fair result, but given the copy with this one, but Jake really quickly, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was a good game to watch. Like you mentioned end to end. And, and I think like a, a draw is probably a fair result. I don't think either team like dominated enough to say that they're, they're unlucky to um, not have gotten the three points, but yeah, like you mentioned, it was, it was a, a penalty for, for Calvert-Lewin. I don't know why, um, why, Cooper has to like wrap his arms around him and just pull on the shirt while he's trying to launch himself for a cross. I think it was, it was pretty obvious, uh, like pretty straightforward to be honest. I think it was, it was clearly a penalty, but I guess it didn't take leads that long to to answer back. I think they scored about ten minutes after with with click. It was a really nice goal, and then when he got through on goal, I thought like the, his his first touch. I thought it left the ball just slightly behind his foot where he'd have to reach back a bit to to shoot it, but he did it, he did it really nicely and just slid it in the bottom corner. Um, like you mentioned, Demar Gray's really had a, a big impact. I thought as well for his goal. I thought the chance had kind of gone a little bit after, after his, his first touch, and then he made like a little movement. I thought the chance was gone, but then he he turned and put on his left foot and put in the bottom corner from a tight angle. So that was obviously good. And like you mentioned, for 1.5 million, it looks looks pretty promising so far. But then Rafinha, like you mentioned as well, scored a really nice goal um, from outside the box. And yeah, overall it was just a nice game between both teams who actually went forward. I think. Um, which is not what we saw at all, all the time with Everton last season. But yeah, to be honest, I was just just pleased to be watching this one and seeing um, just both teams kind of going for it and, and attacking. It was it was an enjoyable game to watch, to be honest. Which I don't know if we would have predicted that like completely before the game. But yeah, like you mentioned, I think both teams had seventeen shots each, and yeah, one just yeah, it was just one of those games where where you enjoyed watching it. You you kind of wanted it to go on a little bit longer. But yeah, that's about it for for this one. Just a a really well-deserved points or point for both teams, I think. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on this, because I want to move on to the other games, but in Everton's case, especially the underlying stats, I know a lot of people don't believe in stats, which I just genuinely just don't understand. I don't know how you base any any judgment if you don't, if you don't believe in the stats, but all of their underlying metrics for last season were very, very poor, which means that they were overperforming and getting getting results, getting wins and scoring goals that they probably shouldn't have, or you could say they're quite fortunate to do. But so far this season against a team like Leeds who always create a ton of chances. I know we, we, uh, we, we got a penalty in this one, but despite the penalty, we still had a very, very high XG um, and won the XG battle. I know it doesn't mean everything, but the underlying metrics and it's also it's also a very small sample size but the underlying metrics have been a lot better and when i'm watching them although yes it's not ticky tack it's not anything like super 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 technical and that that comes down to whatever your preference is personally i prefer like more possession possession based style 
but so far from what we've seen, Everton have been very effective in creating chances. So when you look at it that way, you know, as a fan, it's like, well, do you really care what the chances are like if they're effective and they're frequent and they're actually causing the teams, they're causing the other teams problems throughout the game. It's not like one big chance that you got in the game and didn't do anything. It's they're, they're consistently dangerous. So good, good start. Um, I'm excited to see how they do up against Brighton next weekend, but yeah, good, good result for Everton. Good result for Leeds. They might be disappointed. Um, not to get all three points in front of a full crowd, but it's, it's probably a fair result. Man City absolutely smashing Norwich City. I don't even think we have to mention that. I think we could have predicted a 5-0 for that. Brighton taking on Watford. Uh, Brighton with a really good start to the season so far. And although Watford did well in their first game, they were completely dominated from start to finish in this one. Um, don't really have much else to say. Jake, do you have anything else to add? If you don't, that's fine. No, nothing relevant. Just um, a couple points. Just that Shane Duffy came back from his loan last season and um, obviously scored in this one. I think he has, I saw somewhere that he has the most shots um, for defenders from inside the box so far in the league this season. I know it's only two games, but he already has seven shots in the league, um, which is kind of crazy for a defender who doesn't really come forward aside for set pieces. Um, and you know, the other thing that I saw was that Brighton were like outperforming their XG by like point or by two point something. So, you know, the, the tables have turned from last season for Brighton. I'm sure they're, they're pleased with that, but yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else to add. Yeah. Again, that's why you just over the course of time, it's always good to believe in the underlying metrics because most of the time it, it, it comes to fruition as long as you give it the. Uh, as long as you give coaches and give the coaches the time and recruit well, it'll work. So yeah, Brighton really impressive so far. Again, looking forward to the game against Everton uh, this weekend. It should be a good one. Jake will come to Southampton, taking on Man United, finishing in a draw. Uh, I don't have much to say because I didn't see this game. I was very disappointed in Bruno Fernandez for my my FPL. He did not show up and he was at fault for the first goal which I'll see what you think, but I've seen a lot of people say that they felt that that was a foul on Bruno. I did not. I think that that's just a very good change this season in terms of what's being given as a foul and what isn't. I think he just didn't really protect the ball and probably expected a foul. Uh, but other than that, I don't have anything else to say other than I hope he bags a hat trick next week to, to boost me up the FPL table. But uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, and th this is where the bias is going to come out. And I'm sure just from that sentence, you could tell what I'm going to say. But I thought it was a foul. Um, and again, I'll say it again, just in case. I think this is probably just partly bias as well. But um, I just felt that the way Jack Stevens went in, I don't think he went in. I'm not going to say I don't think he... Sorry, let me try it again. I don't think he went in to like foul Bruno and not miss the ball because he... Well, it's obvious he did get part of the ball. But I think just the way he went in like with his with his forearm like raised up in Bruno's like shoulder height and the fact that like his knee hit Bruno's, I think it was his thigh. I thought just the fact that like the accumulation of both of those probably should have been a foul that it, that it impeded Bruno. But um, again, like I don't want to come off as all biased. So once, once the foul is not given, like everyone just has to do better um, considering with that. And, and yeah, just Che Adams as well, just finally taking a shot at the end of it. And, and Fred just, sticking out his foot and obviously the the shot was going wide unfortunately and it just um hit fred's foot and wrong-footed De Gea in net so that was really disappointing it was just a 
same old, same old from United from last season where uh, just conceding the first goal. But as we saw again last season, United hit back. But really the main weakness with United, we've seen it for weeks and weeks. Everyone knows it is the midfield. Um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jack, but Scott McTominay as well had surgery today. So he's going to be out for around a month. So that leaves United's midfield. Um strictly just Fred and, and Matic who could play as like a, a deep well not deep lying midfielders but basically defensive midfielders so that's really disappointing and obviously we're hoping that, that United can add to that before the transfer window is over but I doubt it's going to happen um, which is unfortunate in this game you guys know well that I don't really like to criticize Solskjaer I think he's done just as good a job as anyone could have since he's come in but this lineup was a bit strange for me um I think the team worked so well last week against against Leeds and obviously they're not the same the same teams but they're pretty similar like another another thing with the midfield in this game Fred and Matic their passing percentages were terrible I think they were both under 75 percent and we know the way Southampton play and, and Hasenhutl like his 4-2-2-2 we know they're going to press you like very hard and, and put pressure and I think um just those four like Matic, Fred, Lindelof and Maguire I think all their passing percentages were under uh 80 percent or at least um at least I know for a fact Lindelof, Fred and Matic's pass percentages were low so that just shows like the pressure that Southampton put on you but you have to expect that and this is I'm not going to say in this game because I've seen a lot of fans saying that Donny should have started I don't know if that's that's the right solution just i know he's a, he's a nice passer but just because he's barely played so far and, and it'd, it'd be kind of tough for him to put him in a position that's not necessarily like his best and and where he's comfortable with and then just ask him to do something different to what he's usually expected to but i kind of went on a big detour there but yeah with the lineup i don't know what like greenwood played such a good game against um against Leeds, starting as a striker and then and then just to start him out wide to to accommodate martial who's really done nothing uh last season and obviously i know he just came back from an injury like that he suffered in march i think it was and he needs time but i don't think this is really the right game for it so having said that he came close in the first half i think mcguire had like a a shot where he just stuck out his foot and it went off the bar and then marcial's follow-up header was was cleared off the line but um marcial's not as bad as a lot of people are trying to make out because just because last season i think he only had four legals but the season before marcial was united's top scorer in all competitions he had like 23 goals over the course of the season so he's shown he can do it um under Solskjaer on the same team but i was personally disappointed i would have started greenwood up top and, and maybe sancho um uh on the right wing just to see if he could dribble past the southampton's left hand side and put cutbacks in or just get around and get some shots so yeah i was disappointed with that um and yeah it's just like it, it's early in the season so i wasn't i wasn't angry after this game I, it wasn't like last season when united would lose to like i don't know when they would lose or drop points later on in the season i wasn't i wasn't angry after this one i was just a little bit disappointed and you, you see like most of the big teams collecting um six points so far uh, over the course of the season well, not most of the big teams but some of them like spurs chelsea etc so and liverpool and you know as, as a united fan obviously i don't want to lose touch with with those um those teams quite so early and so yeah obviously it was disappointing united's goal was really nice again pogba and, and bruno playing a give and go and then pogba giving the ball to, to greenwood who finishes it so um that was quite nice i think pogba was the first ever player to assist five goals in the in the first two uh premier league games or the opening two opening two games of season so that was good and yeah like overall united should be beating a team like southampton who i had like in like 17th position for this season i think they could be in real trouble so it's always disappointing to lose to drop points to to a team that 
I don't want to say a team like that because that that sounds disrespectful, but to a team that United should should clearly be beating, I'd say like ninety nine percent of the time. So obviously it was disappointing, but hopefully um a better performance coming this weekend from United against Wolves, who are obviously one of the teams who have zero points. So I'm I'm hopeful, but you know I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. And yeah, I guess I, I rambled on enough just to just to say that I was disappointed with the result, but yeah there, there's definitely room for improvement and, and hopefully in, in the midfield we can see that so yeah that's about it for from me for the united game yeah i think like that's a really disappointing result just considering the fact that i watched everton quite easily beat southampton in the second half and i think like they definitely united need the the sitting six i think that even though they brought in Sancho and everybody knows that they've wanted Sancho for so long and they've brought in Varane. I think honestly, when you're looking at the quality of attackers that they have, like Greenwood coming in is very, very good. They probably like looking back, I know hindsight's 2020, but looking back that maybe they should have prioritized the sitting six just to bring the balance to the squad and allow the attack to flourish. Cause we know it doesn't matter how much, quality you have if the squad's unbalanced and when they don't have that holding midfielder um I, again i didn't watch this game but i'm just assuming because i heard the mid and you guys are you midfield was atrocious is just having control somebody to control the game in the midfield there but i'll come to ganit for this one because i know ganit obviously being an arsenal fan huge rivalry with with man united and uh I know Ganit's not the biggest United fan and not the biggest Ole fan. So, like, Ganit, do you want to add anything to this or criticize United for anything? Oh, I was waiting for this. See, this is where um, I have my problems with United. I genuinely think this is the difference that will be between United, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, clubs like that, where United not having that midfield will not win the league. And them prioritizing, okay, Jaden Sancho might be a good signing. I genuinely am excited to see him in the league. Don't know how he's going to perform because he's been in Bundesliga since the beginning. Let's see how he goes. Varane, I think, would be an instant impact. But the difference for me is that Fred and McTominay midfield or Matic, where I think even coming back to that game against uh, Villarreal, although I genuinely don't think you guys have anything in midfield except for those two, Brunos and Pogba. And you need that midfielder in between that will keep you guys in the game. Because, again, Southampton was a great example. I didn't see the game, but I know that it would have been one of the reasons that you lost. Because I, I just have seen Fred too many times to know what he would have done. Uh, even last season when you guys faced Arsenal, we were shit. We hadn't won a match and we didn't win another match for like six, seven games after that. But Thomas Partey alone pretty much controlled the midfield. And we were pretty sure, to be honest, we somehow won the game. But Thomas Partey himself controlled that midfield against the two. And I was like, nah, United is not going to win the league or any title, I don't think so, until you guys get that midfielder. And that's going to be the difference. I think you guys are going to probably be third or fourth this season. I still think you're going to be top four. You're going to push for the title. But the difference between City and Chelsea is that they have those midfielders that can control the game, dominate the game. And that's where you guys are going to lack. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's good. It's I'm waiting for the day where we get somebody on the podcast who completely disagrees with our opinions. But I think all, like Aiden as well, all of us kind of agree on that. Is that although, like I said, United have all that attacking talent, 
it comes down to just having the balance within their team. And if you've got such an important position like the holding midfielder and they just don't have it, if Matic was like five years younger, maybe he'd, he'd probably be perfect, to be honest. Maybe they'd want somebody a little bit more athletic, but uh, they just don't have that player within their team. And until they get that play, I, I would say if they get that player and they seriously aren't close to winning the league, then questions would have to be asked of the of the manager. But for the most part, I think that's the the one missing piece of the puzzle. And they just really need to prioritize that, whether that be this window or probably go big next summer just to, to finalize that. But Jake, do you have any last thoughts on the United game? Yeah, no, like you guys are absolutely right. Obviously, we, we know the the main problem with United's midfield right now is like we, we mentioned um the, the lack of a defensive midfielder. And I, we see like United being linked with like Saul, uh, Basuma, Ruben Neves, whoever else, but they're not really like, Obviously, they'd be an upgrade, but for just this is just my personal opinion. I think Aiden may disagree with this, but um, I don't think you're gonna need any of those players to be honest. I don't think you know needs like if if we could play like a four three three or something with Pogba and Bruno in center mid. I don't think we need like another another CDM who as a passer like a Ruben Neves. I I would really love just to have an Indidi, just someone who literally just breaks it like I. Like in in the N'Golo Kante mold, obviously he's not coming to United, but someone just like that, just who could break up the play and, and um help shield the center backs and and even the left hand side when Luke Shaw goes forward. But again, like I didn't I didn't really mention this, but the main problem with with the game against Southampton wasn't like the lack of of defensiveness, I guess from this from the CDMs, but it was just passing with the ball. It was absolutely atrocious. You saw so many counterattacks where. Fred and Matic would both pass it straight out of bounds and United would lose the momentum and lose the ball. And at the end of the game, I felt United were starting to push and you see like Juan Bissaka and Fred again, just passing the ball straight into the touchline. It was absolutely terrible. Um, so yeah, obviously, like I, like I, I said, uh, I know United needs like a defensive midfielder and Didi would be perfect for me, but in this game, like particular, particularly, it was, it was the passing that was such a big, a big hindrance to United. I think Fred, um, I saw like he had a, a high number of tackles and interceptions, but I saw he gave the ball away. I think it was 16 times as well over the course of the game. That's clearly not good enough. And and we know it's been an issue with uh, McTominay as well, but with Fred and, well, Fred in particular and, and matches as well, just the, the passing of the ball is absolutely terrible. And it just, it just, it's just frustrating as a fan when you see these guys, they have simple, you know, five, 10, 15 yard passes and they pass them straight out of bounds. And it's just absolutely infuriating. And I, I don't, Again, I know I'm nowhere near as good as any of these players, but I, I just don't understand how they don't complete like at least like 90% of these passes that they put out of bounds. It was just, it was just ridiculous, and that that was that was the main frustration at the end of the game, at the end of the Southampton game, was not even the fact that United drew because obviously every single team in the league is going to drop points over the course of the season, but um, just the fact that United were like shooting themselves in the foot and not even giving themselves a chance at the end of the game just because they were so careless and sloppy with the ball and. And like I mentioned about three times already, just passing it straight into touch. And yeah, it was absolutely awful. And that was the main part. Just United um, di didn't give themselves a chance at the end just by their sloppy play with the ball. And, and that's um, obviously an area where, where, in my opinion, you need to get much better with the ball. So yeah, that that, that was the last thought I had about the, the United game. Yeah, they, they really do. They need that player so badly. Like Fred, we've said it before, but Fred, I don't know if I've said it, but I've definitely thought he has one of the worst first touches out of any professional player I've ever seen in my life. 
but he does have a lot of energy. So I still like him, but in terms of just being able to control a ball, it takes him like four, four touches to just bring it, bring it under control and then switch and change direction. But yeah, they, they just, they need that player. And then I'm ser- once they get that player, I'm going to be very critical. Cause then I think their whole team, like they've got all of the tools, uh, but until they get that player, I, uh, you know, the balance of the team is off. So you can only, you can only do so much. And like Anit said at the, at the top of the table, when you're competing against Liverpool and who definitely have that balance in Chelsea, you have an amazing squad. And then you also have Man City, you have perfect balance and amazing squad when it comes down to the fine margins. Although United have a ton of talent, if the balance is there, then it's those little things that are going to make a difference in terms of the, the points that they collect at the end of the season. But yeah, disappointing result for them, but they'll have to look to bounce back this weekend. Uh, Spurs taking on Wolves, beating them 1-0. That's two wins for Spurs to start the season. And we'll come on to talking about Harry Kane in a little bit in terms of what he said about his future at Spurs. But really good start from from Nuno and from Spurs after losing in the Europa League. Uh, they have bounced back and won in the Premier League. So, you know, six points from six is, is really good from Spurs. Yeah, again, early, early start of the season, but hopefully they continue to do that. Uh, the last game before we get on to the big one, West Ham taking on Leicester City. Uh, Leicester getting a red card. Iose Perez with a, he, it seemed to be a strange red card, but I didn't really see that. It was too controversial. He just stomped on his, on his man. I think it had to be a red card. But then Mikel Antonio kind of took over the game and broke the West Ham all-time Premier League goal-scoring record. And, had a very, very nice celebration of dancing with a, a large cutout of himself, which was really good. And just really good to see players like come up through the, uh, through the leagues and just worked and worked and worked and worked their way to the very top of the game. And seems like a super nice guy when you see him in interviews and stuff, but West Ham four goals, top of the league, really, really impressive start from them and from, from David Moyes. So I'm happy for her because he's good. He is a good manager. And I think that his reputation has finally been restored. But Jake, quick thoughts on this one? Yeah, like you mentioned, just credit to West Ham and the job that, that David Moyes is doing. I know it's it's quite early on the season, and and um, but West Ham Leicester was a pivotal fixture last season near the end. I think we remember talking about it where I can't remember who it was like James Mad or James Madison and Harvey Barnes, Wes Morgan. There were probably a couple. Uh, other players who were out partying and it really had a result in Leicester's Champions League qualification. So um, these are the kind of games that, that can make a difference. And yeah, just very pleased for West Ham. They did a really good job um, or they had a really good performance. Yeah. Um, got the, the six points out of six. And I thought they, they probably would have dropped off a little bit um, from last season. I know this is, this is obviously quite early, but yeah, they 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 still look like the same old team. Maybe that'll change once the Europa League starts and they have to start playing, um, uh, fixtures every three or four days like we mentioned squad depth is not a something that they're that they're exactly blessed with so that could make a difference then but i think i saw that since um january in, of 2021 this year i think only city and and liverpool have picked up more points than west ham in the league so that's pretty impressive no matter which way you spin it and um yeah honestly like we we know that the the fans don't have the, the best relationship with the owners but it's just it's just good to see that a, a team like that a traditional team performing well at, at a high level and and beating a very good Leicester team, obviously, I know that they had the red card, but still winning 4-1, you obviously can't argue with that from a West Ham um, point of view. And yeah, I'd be very pleased if I was a West Ham fan right about now. Yeah, we'll we'll move on 
some time getting it to give your thoughts on on Arsenal. Arsenal taking on Chelsea this weekend in a game where Romelu Lukaku made a second debut for the club and quite predictably, quite predictably, if that's a word, uh, scored on his debut in a game where Chelsea kind of dominated from start to finish, won the game 2-0. Can you just, I'll let you, I'll let you rant here, but where are you currently at in terms of your relationship with Arsenal as a, as a club in terms of how you feel about the team, just what is, what's going on with Arsenal? How are you feeling about it? Uh, where, where do I start, man? Like I've been supporting Arsenal for, I don't even know how many years. And honestly, I don't even remember if I was, I don't even remember if I saw the first, like the league title they won the last time because I was probably like five years old. But growing up, I've always supported Arsenal. All of my friends were United fans, Chelsea fans. And I was the only one different who was an Arsenal fan somehow. I don't know how I fell in love with Arsenal, but I did. And I've seen a lot of things going through Arsenal, like so much. But I think this is one of the lowest times I've felt as an Arsenal fan, where the joy to watch Arsenal has gone for me. Like I've stopped watching podcasts, listening to podcasts, like watching YouTube videos about football, just because I don't know what's wrong with the club. Like, I, it's a hot take, but I'm, I was pretty excited of the recruitment of the club. I won't lie. Like, okay, we didn't get any star in the club, but I genuinely didn't the funds that are available. But, and I'm not even against Arteta. I'm not Arteta out at all. But the problem for me starts from Kronke's, the way they've run the club, the way since Abramovich has come, how Chelsea has just been up. Their trajectory has just been up. Nobody fucking knew Chelsea. Nobody knew who Chelsea was. Chelsea just became a club in 2004 for most people because that's the time that people started seeing, oh, there's a new club in London. They have been for a while, but just people thought they were a new club. But... Since Kriankis have come, they have been saying, "Get ex- be excited, be excited, be excited. I've never been excited. Like, honestly, we lost to Chelsea. I didn't even feel anything. Like, that's how bad it has become for me. That a club like Chelsea, who we have gone on war with in so many occasions, we've lost to them, we've won to them, but I genuinely didn't feel anything. Even after the Brentford loss, I was like, oh, expected it. And I don't know where the problem is. I genuinely think, think Arteta is the right man for now. I don't know if he, he might, he will get sacked. Believe me, he will get sacked by this season because all or nothing is there this season. Cameras are on Arsenal and I genuinely believe it's not Arteta who failed Arsenal. It's Arsenal who's going to fail Arteta just because even if the, the Arteta is getting that backing, the difference between clubs like United for us right now, Chelsea's, Liverpool's, City's, like, we, we don't have an answer for them. Like They're going to get battered by City and I won't be surprised. Like My only thinking, I wish we just lose 1-0 or something because that's like literally, I think that's the only ho- hope I have because I think City will run riots against us. Plus the fact that we had so many players with COVID from the beginning of season. Aubameyang, Lacazette, Villian, we have Gabriel injured, Partey injured. I don't even know how many more players are injured, but I knew like three, at least three players were out with COVID. And it just seems like down and down, honestly. I don't even know how we're going to, like, is there anything that can 
is there anything that can happen this season that will make me happy about Arsenal? Because I, I'll still support them. I'll still watch them every week. But my joy has definitely gone down because I don't feel anything about Arsenal anymore. I don't know what you guys think about Arsenal. I know you guys like to banter about Arsenal. And you guys might be against Arteta. I've heard, about, heard it in the podcast. And I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, for for me, I think I definitely agree with you because it's very in in a way it's very similar to like Arsenal and Everton are similar in this way in terms of the way the clubs are run. Where you say Arteta didn't necessarily fail fail Arsenal, um, I think that that it, it's just not a club right now that's really set up for anybody to succeed. In my opinion, it's the same as Everton. I think the main problem, like we know Kroenke doesn't really care about the club at all. And although they're spending money on, on, on the podcast, I think what Jake, Aiden and I have been critical of is the fact like, yes, they've been spending the money. And I, I, I think I said maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago, um, how they are spent. I like the, the profile in terms of the ages of, of the players they're assigning in terms of being assets and, and they can grow and then they can sell. Uh, to, to reinvest in the squad but when you compare that to the likes of Chelsea and Man City and and United they, they really don't have to do that at this point they can go for the 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 big guys if, if you look at it that way but I think that the problem comes from almost like since Wenger left and even while Wenger was there it was more they wouldn't spend the money but now that he's left when I look at Arsenal I just see kind of an identity crisis in terms of what they're trying to be because when I'm watching them play, I, I don't see what they're trying to do, but I know what Arsenal, like as a, I know we hate to talk about as a brand and a, like marketability and stuff, but Arsenal very much are like, should be the possession dominant controlling the game, like style similar to if I'm going to make like a, the easiest example right now would be like a Guardiola type system, even a Graham Potter type system that type of style of play exciting entertaining controlling and i'm not seeing that at all with arteta right now although originally i think that them going with a young manager uh to look and to kind of grow and tra- transition away from the wenger era uh was like maybe a little bit naive looking back at it now considering like what we've seen and yeah yes he has one 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 trophies it's it's just not looking good i do i do agree with you that he's probably going to get sacked as well but again the whole organization of the club right now is 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 really poor but uh jake what what are your thoughts on on arsenal right now in terms of like what the club what the club is and we have to consider they are a club that historically should be competing at the very top and they're they're not even close to that right now so what are your thoughts on them yeah, like 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 Gunit says, I, I do like to banter Arsenal quite quite a bit, but I'll take it easy this week. Um, but honestly, the it, there's like parallels to to United after um Sir Alex Ferguson retired. I know I'm not. I always have to take it back to United, but um, it, it's the clubs have kind of been almost on the same pathway. Like we saw it with um, like I just mentioned, obviously with United when Sir Alex Ferguson retired, brought in um David Moyes who wasn't the right appointment um and then at, at that point like the 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 two like i'm talking about Wenger and, and ferguson here the two great managers weren't there to like cover the cracks of the club anymore and you saw after <clears throat> sorry after 
Uh, Stocks Ferguson retired. You know, United didn't qualify for the Champions League for for a while. Uh, their seasons were up and down under finishing uh, eighth place under Moyes. And I think it was sixth place under Van Hal one season and sixth place under Mourinho. And then there was a second place in there. But then they, they kind of went the pathway of, of appointing Solskjaer. It was obviously a club legend just brought. I, I'm not going to say just brought back to make everyone feel good about themselves. But that was definitely a main point of it, especially obviously his um his interim period. And it's kind of the same thing with Arsenal as well. Um, you know, uh, Arsene Wenger, I, I, not retired, but left Arsenal. And then um, when I Emery came in, which was obviously a way different, just in the, the in the main, the main thing, it was just a, a very, very different style of, of play between the teams. Like, like you mentioned, um, what, what we're used to, to seeing from Arsenal is, is for lack of a better term, like Guardiola or Graham Potter type play, you know, just possession heavy. We've seen all the, all the great goals scored under under Wenger's tenure, like with um, just short interplay and stuff. Obviously, the Jack Wilshere goal against uh, Norwich City just kind of stands out. But that's kind of what we we're what we were used to from Arsenal. And then when um, when Unai Emery came in, it was it was pretty much the exact opposite, and and it went straight to to being defensive and trying to restrict the opponents as much as possible, which I'm sure was was a shock for for Arsenal um, supporters. Then obviously again went the right way of. Or went the same way as United as appointing Mikel Arteta. Obviously, I don't know if Arsenal fans consider him a club legend, but definitely someone who who made an impact at the club, and I'm sure was was well liked at the club anyway. Um, and obviously, he had his own ideas, and he's trying to transform the way Arsenal play. We've said that um, for a little while. He wants to play like the same way as Guardiola does, but again, at the same time, uh, he doesn't he doesn't have the players either that he needs to do that. Like. I do like to specifically to bang on in the back line of, of Arsenal, but he, he really doesn't have it. Like you have at City, I know Ruben Diaz, and I, I've, I've criticized John Stones as well, but obviously good at passing the ball out. But then in this weekend against Chelsea, Arsenal had Rob Holding and Pablo Mari at the back, which I'm obviously they're, they're not at the same level as, as Diaz and Stones. Um, so that, that does make a big impact. And it's just kind of, kind of sad to see like how such a how such a big club like traditionally can can go down so fast um i know liverpool as well went through the same period before before Jurgen klopp was appointed i think they finished eighth like two seasons running and i guess it just happens in in cycles to to all the big clubs um but yeah it's it's sad because there's just not a, a quick way to fix it like you can't just say like get rid of arteta and bring in whoever and and then everything's going to be fine because like you guys both mentioned it just goes from the top up and and again i'm going to make the comparison which is the same thing um as it was at, at united where just you know ed woodward the glazes and, and all that it wasn't it wasn't uh, structured well and it wasn't wasn't structured for success and that's obviously the same for arsenal i saw um a couple reports that edu is under serious threat of, of being of being sacked or being fired so um just based on on the transfer window and the last couple windows in general, so yeah, I, I don't know where they go. I don't I don't know if, if sacking him would would fix it. I don't know. I don't even know if they have plans to bring someone else in or if they would just um just uh, move move someone departments. But like uh, Vinay Venkatesham is what I'm trying to say. I, I don't know if they would move him just departments to to put him in charge again or I don't know. It's just it's just very confusing. But I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm I'm obviously you guys know I'm not a big Arsenal fan, but for, from Arsenal fans' point of view, I'm hopeful that it's not like like Arsenal aren't going to be the next Newcastle or Aston Villa or or I hate to say it or Everton, but who who are just going to like sink down the table and and not really challenge for trophies for a long time. I don't see that happening to Arsenal because they still have the the pull. 
uh, that they did, like for players, um, that they did when when Wenger was there. So obviously, it's, it's diminishing like the longer that they that they don't qualify for the Champions League or or even for Europe, as as is the case this season. But I don't think it's gotten to that point yet, where where people are actively going to be choosing other clubs over Arsenal because I th- I think Arsenal still just has like that that feeling around it. But yeah, it's definitely worrying, and and I'm not going to touch on this weekend's game like too much, but. You just saw the difference between the two teams this weekend, like Lukaku just absolutely bullied the back line. And, and yeah, the, the two teams were, were worlds apart, basically, is what I'm trying to say um, in terms of quality and and just in terms of, of setup in, in general. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Jack, just the, the younger acquisitions for Arsenal can definitely help. Um, and, yeah, I, the only worry that I have for that is just a club that the way Arsenal is. I don't think that they should need to just – to just sign players just to be able just young players to be able to develop them and sell them on because i think just as big as arsenal is they, they as well should just be signing players who go into the first team and make them better and elevate them to the champions league and i know it's not easy considering the position that they're in i'm just saying that um if i was an arsenal supporter i i, I wouldn't like to see just the way the club is right now but yeah that that's it that i have for for arsenal i think it's just going to be um, a bit of a long season uh, for, for Arsenal, maybe a couple seasons as well. I would just like to say that um, I agree with a couple of things, but I don't... When Unai Emery came, it was like after 20 years, we got Wenger out and I loved Wenger. I loved Wenger. But obviously, we had to get rid of him because it was the right time. Like He had stayed for a while and I think if he would have left by 2012, 2013, he would have been remembered for good times. But after that, his tactics were known very near. The new managers coming into the league, the Contes, the Guardiolas, the Klops, and I I wished him the best when he left. Unai Amri was never the right appointment. The moment he came in, yeah, there was a good feel-good factor for a while. But his tactics were not something that Arsenal are known for. And I know it's a brand thing, but at the end of the day, Arteta, for all his faults, there are a lot of faults for Arteta. I I still back him. I'm not Arteta out, but he has a lot of faults according to me. But he definitely has had more exciting football. We have played more exciting football according to me in the games that we could have. He's getting his team, but we still don't have the finished article. In many of those players, I think uh, recruitment-wise, Edu should be sacked off first of all. There is something wrong, and I don't know. I don't trust Edu signing Willian and uh, David Luiz, who's Brazilian and friends with Edu. It seemed off, and uh, I think Edu should be sacked. First person who should be sacked, and uh, Mark Overmars has been linked with Arsenal about it. And I don't know, maybe it could be a great addition, but I don't trust Edu. I don't think he's done well. Um, we need... And the fact that we have had so many older players like David Luiz, William coming to the club, uh, Socrates, I can think of. These players didn't work out. And uh, honestly, these players that Chelsea's cities are buying, we don't have the money to buy them. And I think it's smart recruitment by these people. I genuinely think recruiting people like Aaron Ramsdale, I know people were laughing about his price. I genuinely think uh, his price is decent because of the fact how much the other club bought him for. I wouldn't want to spend that much money, but I think that was a great, smart acquisition. 
I think Ben Wright overpaid. I know, but it's English media who are going to overtax him. You can think about Harry Maguire and fifty million. I don't agree with the price, but again, somebody I think I have high hopes for Nuno Tavares. I genuinely think in preseason he was one of our best players, considering the best left backs in the league. It's going to be good to see how they compete with each other and uh, Martin Odegaard. I was in love with them with him the moment I saw him in like when we got him on loan and I'm so happy I was never a fan of James Madison uh to come to Arsenal I think he's a great player don't get me wrong but he's too overhyped and too I didn't want to spend 80 million on him or whatever the price was I'm happy about the recruitment I I am but there are a lot of things that we have to change in Arsenal to move forward and I don't know how long will it take i think yeah you were right about liverpool they went down they were 8 6 8 and they didn't finish in europe or anything even you guys didn't finish champions league but the point is that liverpool fans stood up together walked out of the stadium if i'm not wrong when they were unhappy with a lot of things united got uh, edward wood out finally and you guys have been slowly slowly putting money onto these players and you've been building a squad we have tried with the older players to just get that instant impact it, it has never worked and the best we have done is win an fa cup and i don't think that's good enough at the end of the day yeah it's kind of a similar strategy on obviously a, a higher scale in terms of what everton like there are a lot of similarities between arsenal and everton in terms of recruitment obviously Uh, well I can't say Everton have turned away from that because they they haven't but in terms of the way that they've spent big money on players who are probably right at their prime and about to fall off and into to go in like less good years around the age of 30 and going into the age of 30 um, but Arsenal doing that we we all know that it's very sketchy with with uh the way Willian and David Luiz were brought in. I think everybody who was interested in sport was like, okay, something's going on there, especially with, you know, owning the restaurant with, uh, with, uh, with Kia Jarabjian. And I think it was Kia, but in, in terms of the, the recruitment, just really, really poor. So it's kind of an identity crisis, which again, in terms of identity, that can be solved but that comes from the very top that comes from like stan and josh cronky and we know that they're either a ignorant which they probably are and b need to understand a little bit about the game or have enough humility to listen to people who know enough about the game and maybe they just don't they probably just don't care because we know arsenal make a ton of money commercially so um in terms of identity crisis that's probably the main thing they've just kind of gone away from what Arsenal should be or what especially us growing up like all all of us are like I just think of Arsenal as like Wenger ball just passing the ball around really beautiful stuff and under Wenger just really towards the end of his 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 time at Arsenal just not really getting the financial backing and it was it was during the whole probably since the time like our our ages Wenger not getting backed at the same amount as these other teams, as Chelsea were growing, like you said, Gany, as Man City were growing. And then later on, you know, Liverpool starting to pump money into it. United obviously wasting a bunch, but because of their their uh, commercial success can always get some of the top talents in the world. And have only really started doing that within the last two and a half seasons, I would say it comes down to an identity crisis. And then just 
not like like you said it's they're not the worst players that they brought in but just not the best allocation of their resources in terms of the prices and stuff you'd think that recruitment on edu's um under edu has to be better I, I all of us would agree he definitely should be sacked i don't know how he's still in a job when the that some of these signings just look a little bit um underwhelming maybe a little bit lazy but i would think that with all the resources that arsenal would have they could do a lot better job in signing players that are are going to uh to improve them improve in value but also good enough like you touched on jake they have to be good enough to take arsenal forward right now and i'd say arsenal's probably out of every team in the world to play for right now and I look at I look at Everton and think, oh, like it's high pressure because the fans are so frustrated with how um, how poorly managed the whole club is for for years and years and years, especially since Mashiri took over the club. But in terms of playing for Arsenal, Arsenal are like one of the biggest teams in uh, in in world football. It's got to be one of the most high pressure pl- uh, places or clubs to play for as a player. Um, from an say it's got to be right out there because of the attention that's that's on the club and kind of their their current downfall but um, I want to talk a little bit uh, about the squad and what do you think need what do you think the way forward is if there's a way forward under under this ownership for for Arsenal to try to be more competitive or try to get onto the correct path again honestly first of all I don't know if you guys have heard this but QSI, Qatar Sports Investment or someone have been, have come on Twitter. I think he's the brother of PSG's owner, if I'm not wrong. And he's been talking about how he wants to bid for Arsenal. I don't know if it's all like just for the fun of it and wants to get some attention. I wish somebody buys Arsenal. I don't see Kronkis bringing us some sort of glory. Honestly, how long have Kronkis been there for? Like I think 2009, 2000, I don't even remember anymore. The forever long, however long they have been, we have won only FA Cups, which is fun. I love FA Cup because we win it so often. But I want to remember how it feels to win a league title. I see Chelsea's, I see Cities, I saw Liverpool. As a, as much as I hate to say it, seeing Liverpool inspired that that interest because honestly, for the past so many years, you forgot how to win. Like as an Arsenal fan, I forgot. The feeling of winning a league title, as much as I hate Liverpool, I felt so nice because they have been waiting for 30 years. And I don't want to wait for those 30 years because I genuinely want to see us winning that league title. First step is, Kronkis aren't the one. They're not going to leave. I know it's going to be so hard for them to leave. There's going to be a big bid coming for them to be interested to leave because at the end of the day, Arsenal makes them a lot of money. They know that. Why would they want to leave? Unless... Even when uh, Daniel Ek came and he was like, oh, I want to buy Arsenal. He's a fan, I get it. But he doesn't have that pull because he wasn't as rich as them. And even if he bought them, I don't know how much investment he could have put in Arsenal. But first of all, Kriyanka should leave. Edu should leave. I, I back Arteta because I have seen games where I've been like, this is fun. I like Arteta. He's not a club legend like Ole. He's not a club legend like most people would think from outside. He was never a club legend. He was good. He took a pay cut from <clears throat> Everton to come to Arsenal because he enjoyed Arsenal and he wanted to be there. And he's not a club legend. I respect him. I want to want him to succeed. 
but if we don't get those two people above him out they're not going to be able to do something he's not going to be able to do something then we got to get rid of players who we got a lot of people rid of like the mustafis the the koscielny's in the past few years who were not good enough socrates but we still have to get rid of players like lacazette i don't think he should be there anymore he should be sold i think we should get rid of I hate to say it because i think there's a player in him granit shaka mohammed elneny's hector belrin i don't know why hector belrin is like how is he a football i don't get it i genuinely don't get how he's a football i think i'm not good footballer but i i don't think he should be a footballer honestly i think leno should leave honestly i don't think he's good enough uh rob holding should leave pablo mari i'll still give him a benefit of doubt i have, he's he's not played enough for us the one thing that i have the biggest issue with arteta is the the treatment he has given to william saliba i don't understand why we spent 30 million on this teenager who was supposed to be the next big thing and has proved in the french league i know there's difference he's proved in the french league that he's good and still not being given a chance he was he was the player of the year for his team that he played last season for 6 months he joined for like last half of the season and he was the player of the season and i don't understand how arteta doesn't see him as an upgrade over rob holding like i don't know that's the biggest issue i have with him because yeah i i'm happy that he spent 50 million on on ben white sure but we have a player in william saliba who i think probably has a higher ceiling than ben white and why wasn't he given the chance again this season and was sent on loan i don't get that from arteta at all yeah i can tell you without even watching saliba play a full game and jake i know you will agree with me on this he would probably be one of the best center backs up at the club if not the best because just watching from from a a, a rival but neutral fan in in my case uh Pablo Mari is definitely not good enough for Arsenal Rob Holding is not good enough for Arsenal Hector Bellerin is not good enough for Arsenal it is uh definitely they definitely need to clear out the squad get rid of the wages uh and then reinvest in as much as it sucks that they really kind of do have to follow the uh the rebuilding route in terms of like signing the younger players selling them on and reinvesting until they can get to that point where they can get into those Europe- european places consistently specifically the champions league and then they can make those final signings in order to push for a title my concern with that would be the fact that I don't know if Arteta should be the one with what we've seen so far if he should be the one to lead the 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 project and then but then again does it matter if the recruitment's going to be terrible anyway so it is a bit of a mess but the last thing that I want to touch on with can Arsenal I add something is before we can I add something Yeah yeah I I agree with you sometimes about the fact that Arteta could should be or not I I have my concerns I will be honest like I like him I want him to succeed but the reality of situation is let's say Arteta gets sacked tomorrow and we get Antonio Conte let's say that like that's the best manager I think we can get in the market and I think Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world right now who would like would we back yeah. him no would we back him no not at all like he wants players or he walks out that's how elite managers I would hate to say it but That's how elite managers work. Look at Guardiola's. Look at 
your Tuchel's, look at your uh, even Klopp. Like, yeah, he started slow, but he needed those players. He asked for them and he got delivered. And if our, any manager comes tomorrow, they wouldn't want to come to Arsenal. Why would they want to tarnish their reputation? Like, they wouldn't get those players they want. And we can't compete with them. I would, I would sack Arteta tomorrow if I, somebody gives me the promise that Antonio Conte comes in and we'll back him. But the reality of situations, it's not going to work like that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. But even like, even if they said, yeah, we're going to back you, could you, I don't know, if you could trust Eddie to get the players that Conte needs, do you know what I mean? So it is a bit of a mess. Uh, Jake, do you have any final thoughts on Arsenal before we move on? I don't have anything new. No, I think you guys you guys covered it pretty well. Um, to be honest, I think that's that's probably the main thing was our, with Arsenal is that even if Arteta goes, nothing else will change. So, um, unfortunately for Arsenal, I think that's pretty well established. And and yeah, that's that's about it that I had. I, I don't have anything new to add. There we go. Jake is just bored of talking about Arsenal. So we'll we'll move on really quickly here. I would like to provide a uh, fantasy Premier League update. Uh, Aiden is still leading the league by an absolute country mile. Um, I think I actually screwed up last week's episode in terms of the editing. So uh, if you're listening to this now, we started an FPL league just between the three of us, just for the sake of the podcast, uh, just for this season. And then next season, we're going to make a league out of it and then uh, and go from there. But Aiden is in well clear of everybody in the league. I am in third out of three not even close to Jake and Aiden, uh, largely due to the fact that I took Bruno Fernandez out of my squad for the first game week and put Mo Salah in. And then last week brought Bruno in. He did absolutely nothing for me and I captained him. So just a quick update there. Aiden will be back next week to provide his, uh, his, his latest uh, developments for FPL, but so far so good for Aiden and Jake. It's going to take an absolute miracle for me to, to, to catch up in that one, but we shall see. I want to finish off, not finish off, uh, Jake, quick thoughts. You, you touched on it at the start of the show, but the Champions League group stages were drawn today. Just want to quickly give your thoughts on United's groups. We don't really have to talk about the other ones. Yeah, so United drew, um, well, United, Villarreal, Atalanta, and, and Young Boys in, in the Champions League group. So obviously it's a, a difficult group without being one of the hard ones. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I would definitely take this group over over PSG Leipzig and and Istanbul Bashakshi here last year, so I'm, I'm I'm pleased from that point of view. Um, uh, yeah, I I was kind of I wanted United to get either Lil just because I find like they're the weakest team in, in Pot One or Sporting just to see like the the big Bruno reunion. But honestly, Villarreal is another good draw, not because I'm I'm underestimating them again because obviously we saw in the Europa League final, even though United should have won the game. I don't know if deserve to win the game is the right thing to say, but just in terms of like the squads and stuff like that, I think United should have won the, the Europa League final. And this gives a, an occasion for for immediate revenge, I guess. I'm I'm hoping United could could win both games and knock them out of Europe completely. Um, whether it's going to go like that, I'm not too sure because United have played Villarreal five times over the course of their history in the Champions League and Europa League, and every single game has finished nil nil, which is kind of a crazy record. Something I didn't really expect at all, but. Um, yeah, no goals have ever been scored in games with United versus Villarreal in the first five. So I'm sure that'll change this time around. Um, but yeah, I, overall, it's not, not the worst group. Obviously, United could have 
been matched with like Bayern Munich, let's say from from the pot one, and and Atalanta from pot three is going to be a very difficult game because they're just so attacking as well. But they they have um, I I'd say rough similarities to the way Leeds play, and and we know how how United take care of Leeds quite often. So I'm not saying for a second that United will be beating Atalanta six two or five one, but just the way that Atalanta attack and the way that they man mark sometimes in midfield and. And yeah, just the way that they like to pass the ball and and hold possession and and are vulnerable to counterattacks. I think again that could lead to, lead itself um, very well to to United's uh, um, way of playing. And and obviously from pot four young boys, I I might regret saying this, but I don't really see them as a threat. Um, when United were in the Champions League under Mourinho, when they had Valencia, Juventus, and and young boys as well, were in the group that time as well, and United took six points off of. Young boys, obviously, their young boys have won the league, I think, two years ago. So they're a better team than they were when United played them. But obviously, I don't expect that to be like a huge leap forward. I don't, I'm not saying that United should be happy with like a draw away at young boys or anything. So I would expect six points from from those games. And yeah, overall, like I mentioned, it, it's a very, very kind group to United considering what could have happened. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I think the first... Champions League match day is September 14th and 15th, if I remember properly, just after the the international break that is upcoming, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having more Champions League games. And and yeah, like I mentioned, I think uh, United, I, I, I would expect United to, to probably come first in this group and maybe Atalanta second and Villarreal will probably finish third and go on to win the cha- the Europa League again. So that wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, overall, that, that's just my, my quick thoughts on the group. Um. I, I'm definitely not disappointed. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully this uh, could lend itself to a good run in, in the Champions League this season for United. Yeah, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't the worst group that they could have gotten. I'd probably be pretty happy if, like, I would be happy if I was a United fan as well. It could have been a lot worse. Um, quickly, I want to talk about maybe not quickly, but some of the transfer two transfer rumors, basically the big ones that have taken place uh, over the last couple of really yesterday and today. First one, Ganita, I'll come to you here. Thoughts on Mbappe to Real Madrid. Is this the most inevitable transfer that even if it doesn't happen right now, uh, is it the most inevitable transfer of all time? It is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year, honestly, uh, just because that's a crazy money to spend on when I think, doesn't Mbappe have one year left on his contract or something? And if, if I mean, it's going to be... Yeah, he only has one. And I, I mean, that's going to be good for PSG because they're going to make everything back on Mbappe and I think they might even go and profit because I think they spent about 160 on him. Plus about how much money they spent, like which was nothing on the contracts only for this season on their players they got, and it's going to be good money. I don't see the reason Mbappe should go to Real right now. I think it's a much better project at PSG right now. Real Madrid have their stadium being built. They have to get in players because they have sold a lot of players in the past few years or whatever. I don't see the point, but if it's going to happen, I. I Mbappe is going to go to Real Madrid. I don't know why, but yeah, maybe because he wanted to play there, but I would say PSG is a more exciting project for me. Yeah, Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? I agree with pretty much everything you've said there, Ganit. 
Yeah, I think that probably the best point that you made. Obviously, they're all good points, but the the best point that you made was you. I don't like we don't understand why he would be be going right now. Um, like Real Madrid, sure they're still Real Madrid, but they're not exactly set up to be winning like the Champions League trophy every single season the way that they were a little while ago. Um, but I think it it will obviously have like the benefit of of seeing it. But I saw um. Sorry, I'm I'm struggling for words here. I saw there was a Spanish journalist. I don't know his name. I don't know how reliable how reliable he is. His last name is something Diaz. Um, but yeah, I saw that that he just uh, reported about an hour ago that uh, it's apparently it's a done deal between PSG and Real Madrid, and Mbappe will be going. Obviously, I don't know like I mentioned how reli- how reliable he is, but apparently it's 170 million plus 10 million in add-ons. So that is um. I guess just based on that, I would say that I think it's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really understand what the point is. Like he'd have a much better shot at winning the Champions League in in Paris right now, playing with Messi and Neymar. I don't actually know how like a player could could turn down that chance just to go to Madrid. I, I guess it's similar to the Neymar situation where he probably wants to be the main man, so that's probably why. And I guess you don't always have the chance to be the main man at Real Madrid, so I'm sure that's kind of pushing his. His decision, but I, I think it would be smart just to say at PSG for even one more year if you have to go on a free get give yourself the best shot that you have of winning the Champions League when when loads of the other teams who are traditional like challengers like Madrid, Barcelona, maybe even Bayern are a bit weaker than than normal. Um, obviously we've seen like a lot of talent going to the Premier League this summer, but yeah, I I think that he'd be best served just to stay in, in at PSG for one more season and then if they're unsuccessful this year to win the Champions League, then then go to Madrid uh, the next summer. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be done this summer, I guess, in the next couple of days. So that'll be uh, good for Real Madrid, I guess. Yeah, so the other main transfer, obviously, I would be shocked if nobody didn't see the, the rumors linking Cristiano Ronaldo to both PSG and Manchester City today. Uh, it's been like widely widely reported that he wants out of Juventus and just wants to win the Champions League. Obviously, I think he's like 37 years old now, but he's still a machine. Um, and apparently, apparently he wants to move. And those are the probably the only two teams that in this current market could afford Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Jake, as a United fan, I don't know how much information you have on this, but um, if uh if he were to go to Manchester City as a United fan, like how how would you take that? I know you're not the biggest Ronaldo fan anyway. I know Aiden loves him. I really like him. But how would how would you feel about that? What do you know about the situation? Yeah, just to, uh, to touch on the United fan thing first, it would obviously be, not for me, but for a lot of United fans, it would just be heartbreaking just because of what, what Ronaldo like meant to United. I, and um. I'll just throw it out there. The reason why I don't really feel like that way about Ronaldo is because I didn't actually watch United when he played for United. So I'd never really had like that, that connection of watching him play for the club. Um, so that that's kind of why, like, I'm sure if I would have seen him play for United, I would be a much bigger fan. Um, but yeah, that, that obviously never happened, but it'd be a big blow for United fans. I saw, I don't know if you know the Bruno song, but there's like Bruno, Bruno, he came from sporting like Cristiano. I've seen someone's already changed the lyrics to um, Bruno, Bruno, he came from sporting like Marcos Rojo. So that absolutely killed me when I saw that. But it just goes to show, I guess, like the the, <laughs> the feelings of the United fans. I'm just laughing at the lyrics because it's funny, but um yeah, that shows the the feeling of the United fans towards Ronaldo. There'd be a lot of resentment towards him, obviously, and and obviously, I, I'm pretty sure every single United fan would 
would be incredibly upset with them. Um, one of the main reasons, again, is like, I know that every single player does this, so it's not like limited to Ronaldo, but I just felt like over the course of the years, he would like use the links with United to, to gain like new contracts at Real Madrid. And obviously I just wasn't impressed with that. So that, that kind of like influenced the way I thought about him. Um, I just obviously it's just like I didn't like the fact that someone was just like toying about coming back to United to get a bigger paycheck. Obviously, I don't know if that's directly his fault or his agents, but either way, it didn't leave me impressed. So that was part of it. But it would. Whoa, sorry. It would definitely be a big blow to to United fans. Um, if he went to City, it would just because he he's talked very well about United over the course of the years as well. So that would just kind of go right out the window. Um, in that scenario. But yeah, Fabrizio Romano just tweeted out eight minutes ago. He wrote. Confirmed Cristiano has definitely decided to leave Juventus and he asked the club to be sold. And then he added about five minutes ago, he said, Juventus are waiting for Manchester City official bid to arrive in the next hours to reach an agreement as soon as possible. Cristiano Ronaldo wants to leave and he won't be available for the next match. And Mendez is now discussing Ronaldo's contract with Manchester City. And he also added that Sterling could be sold um, either to fund this or just because there'd be a lack of places. So obviously those statements like suggest that it's quite an advanced stage and it's going to happen um which is yeah like like i mentioned i don't have the the feeling for ronaldo etc of other united fans but it would still be disappointing because even though i never saw him play i wouldn't like like for example rooney i wouldn't like like rooney after he went to to dc united let's say he would have come back to england to play for liverpool i would not have been impressed with that at all and and i would have been absolutely heartbroken so i could i could obviously understand the way that that united um feel and or United fans feel sorry, and like you mentioned, he'll be 37 in October. So, but yeah, he's still he's still a machine, and I guess he would as long as you know, like Guardiola won't expect him to pressure the the opposing defenses too much or whatever. He could just stay in the middle and just and just tap in a bunch of cutbacks and and head a bunch of crosses in. So, yeah, it's just just disappointing from a United point of view, and obviously that would just probably make City a much better team and and take the league title just further away from United, but. You just never want to see a player cross over from like that. And you saw Solskjaer was talking about it last year. I don't know um, exactly what the links were, but it was a, he was talking about United and City. He says, once he says, I know it's only a business, but once you've been at United, you just can't go to City because it's all about loyalty. Um, and it's just something that you don't do as an ex United player. So obviously, I, I completely agree with Solskjaer there. Like he's just one of those players who, or people, I guess, now who, who just understands it. He, he gets the club and stuff. And I'm not saying Ronaldo doesn't, or he's not like a real United player just because he decided to leave the club or just because he decided to go to City or anything like that. But you just see Solskjaer like has his head screwed on, right? And that's one of the reasons why United fans love him. Just he, he knows exactly what to say. And he's just such a big part of the club. And it's just disappointing that, that other ex-players who have spoken so well about the club, like Ronaldo, turns out they don't actually feel the same and they're they're not they're not really loyal to the club who i'm not saying he owes united but united did really develop him in europe and it would just nice to see it would just be nice to see a bit of of loyalty come back but i guess that's that's the way the game goes and i don't know hopefully he just costs city a bunch of money and they get an ffp trouble and and he he flops which i don't think is likely but that's what i would be hoping for anyway but yeah uh what do you think about the ronaldo to city I wasn't sure about this when we started the podcast. Honestly, I was like, yeah, that's not happening. But now after seeing Fabrizio Romano's tweets and all, it could happen. I don't think he's going to go to City. I think he's loyal to United in that way. I don't see that happening in that because I've seen his interview in the past where he talked about how he would not go to City. He would rather play in Qatar if he has to. But times have changed. And honestly, you know what? 
even though i don't think it's going to happen i would love to see it when i was young i remember robin van robin van persie going to united uh, and it broke my heart and then alexis sanchez happened and that broke my heart even more and this would be such a sweet revenge because even though we suck as an art like as a club in count on two lives is like tottenham being shitter than us and like united doing something that would just make me happy and i would just love just love it if you because i know you're not furious but i know so many fans who have loved and worshiped ronaldo from watching united and if he wears that blue jersey uh, i would love every moment of it like it would be i wouldn't even care about arsenal after that i think if we survive this season that's perfect for me because seeing those tweets the reaction of those united fans uh, that would be so good what about you jack I'm just picturing Kenny I'm just picturing you in a in a Man City Ronaldo jersey just celebrating every goal that he scores. I will um, I will but, buy one. I swear I will buy one. <laughs> Don't buy a Man City kit. Don't do that. That is too far. But um I would be yeah, I would be really upset. Just not even for the sake of oh it's like a player going to the rival team. It's more the fact that Messi has gone to PSG. and then Ronaldo going to Man City the two teams that everybody hates let us be honest if you're a fan of either of these two teams i'm sorry but literally every everybody hates those two teams uh not the fan bases i don't have any problem with the fans but there are no fans for one of the fan bases okay good one jake that's really original but i mean i would like to argue that yes still have a still have a fan base but city does I yeah I, I think that PSG probably has more and I know that some Man City fans I I like how that's the only time Jake is interrupted all episode to to add his input is just to say that but um I know that Man City fans though there are a lot who've been there from the beginning when they were terrible and they they know that they're very fortunate for getting the the takeover but in Ronaldo's case I just wouldn't like it Messi playing for PSG and Ronaldo for Man City that'd be awful I would not want that to happen I'd just be really disappointed not that like we already know that money's kind of ruined the game it would just be i don't know just ugh uh i would have to reassess my fpl team ronaldo would be going straight in there with lukaku though i would have to make some changes ronaldo will be the man to lead my fpl comeback that's basically what i'm saying that's the only good thing that that's going to come out of this but uh to finish off guys really quickly i'll i want to go through the games for next week just uh score predictions I'll read them off Jake I'll come to you first and then can you just say right after Jake Man City taking on Arsenal what do you think the what do you think the uh score is going to be I think it's going to be 3-0 for City Honestly 1-0 Arsenal let's go I knew he was going to say that I knew he was going to say 1-0 I'm going to go 1-0 Man City. I think it's going to be I think the bus is going to be well and truly parked for Arsenal, but Man City will have the quality to go through. It would be a very Arsenal thing to uh somehow have Ronaldo signing for Man City and registered in time to play against Arsenal and then just absolutely take Paolo Mari to the to the cleaners. That would be that would be something to see, but yeah, I think 1-0 City. uh Newcastle Southampton oh god I don't even I don't even have a score prediction for this I'll go nil nil uh, yeah 1-1 I think I'll go with that honestly nil nil I couldn't care <laughs> maybe one nil uh <laughs> Joe Willock will score a 
winner. I don't know. I don't care about these two clubs. There you go. I think Ganit and Aiden are definitely far more like honest in how they just be like, I don't care about this game at all. Jake, me and you need to get better at that in terms of just saying, you know, do, honestly, uh, some of these games, I think we're just going to skip now. But Brighton Everton, 10 0 Everton. Uh, 3 2 Brighton. Oh, I you. Oh. I honestly see Everton upsetting Brighton. I think 2-1 Everton. Oh, Everton upsetting Brighton. Jeez, <laughs> we are terrible. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right, uh, West Ham, Crystal Palace, 1-0 uh, uh, West Ham. 3-1 uh, West Ham. 2-0 West Ham. I don't see Crystal Palace winning against them. Norwich, Leicester City, I'm going... Uh, 3-1 Leicester City, but they're going to concede because Soyuncu is not playing very well at the moment. I will go just a simple 2-0 to Leicester. Uh, 2-1 to Leicester, but I think Soyuncu is also overrated, by the way. Yeah, he hasn't been. I was saying this to Aiden. He has not been the same since he got uh, got the ponytail. He just he has... It, more so the I think it was the knee injury, but since he's brought in the ponytail, he has not been the same player. Uh, Aston Villa Brentford, that's a good game. I'm gonna go one one. Uh, I'll say two one to Aston Villa. One nil to Aston Villa. Liverpool Chelsea. I'm gonna oh that is geez that is a tight one. That's gonna be a one nil to Chelsea. Yeah, I'm tempted to go for a for a draw. I kind of want to say 2-2, but I don't know if there'll be that many goals. So I'll just say 1-1 well, one, one draw. 2-1 Chelsea. Chelsea's going to win the league this year. Oh. There we go. That's that's what Aiden and I predicted. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be a good game to watch. I think that's a massive game. for Even though it's early on in the season, that is just a massive game. It's like, it's going to be that tight at the top. So... Yeah, I think Chelsea will ju- I, oh, It's at Anfield. I'm going to change. No, it's it's 1-0 Liverpool. It's at Anfield. I should probably mention that. They're, Liverpool is going to win. It's at Anfield. So. Uh, Burnley taking on Leeds at Turf Moor. I'm going to go with Le- Leeds just create so many chances, but it's literally just the opposites, the, the complete opposites of teams playing against each other. So I'm going to go with a – I think Leeds are going to – uh, Burnley at home? No, it's going to be like 2-1. No, I don't know. 1-0 leads. I have no idea. I don't care. There you go. Burnley haven't won their last 11 at home, but I'll predict a home win 2-0 to Burnley. Honestly, I see a nil-nil. Burnley will park the bus. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Spurs taking on Watford. Ganit, is Spur- are Spurs going to win? Couldn't give two shirts. Harry Kane, Harry Kane, <laughs> legit said on his tweet, "I'll stay this year." Like the disrespect. Like that's what I say. Like as much as I hate being an Arsenal fan, Spurs was created to make me happy about being an Arsenal fan. Your best striker that you call your own, which was our, which was not, which is not your own. You know, academy boy who's our academy boy wants to leave you guys. I don't care. One nil Tottenham because they're both. There you go. There you go. I will 
I know this score just happened always when Pochettino was in charge, so I'll go 4 0 to Spurs. Yeah, I'm going to go. Watford were really bad against Brighton. I'm going to go 3 0 to Spurs in this one, just counterattacks all game. Uh, last game, Wolves taking on United. Jake, what's your prediction? Ooh, I will go, I think, 1 0 for United. And I, yeah, honestly, I don't really care how the goal comes as long as United win the game. That's about it. I think it's going to be a draw. I genuinely think it's going to be like a 1-1. Adama Traore running towards Harry Maguire and scoring a goal. <laughs> uh, I Wolves have had like like a million shots so far and haven't scored a goal. So I'm going to go 2-1 to United, but I think Wolves, Wolves will get a goal. Jake, are Varane and Sancho, are they good to play? Do we know? Yeah, I think um, I saw Sancho is, is like, obviously no one knows the lineup yet, but I think Sancho is like expected to start and Varane has like a 50-50 uh, chance of, of obviously starting or being on the bench just because he hasn't had like that many training sessions yet. I think it's his first full week this week. So, but yeah, I hope so. Especially like, like you said, coming up against Adama Chara, I'd hope, I'd hope Varane would be starting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um... Yeah, I think it's going to be 2-1. If Varane does play, I don't think Wolves will score, though. But they haven't scored so far, so I'm going to go 2-1 United. Um, that wraps it up for this week. That wraps up the prediction. That wraps up this week's episode. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you, Ganeev, for coming on. We'll definitely have you back. It's just mostly just been a scheduling thing from uh, from our end and trying to get us three uh Aiden's busy this week but it's just a scheduling problem trying to get all of us on the same page but starting next week or in the next couple of weeks we'll have a definitely have a more consistent schedule and have some interesting plans so thank you Ganit for coming on uh thank you everybody for listening and we will be back next week thank you for having me it was actually very fun yeah thanks Ganit thanks everyone <laughs>